This is the John Oakley Show podcast. All right, Friday afternoon, topics worthy of discussion. It might just be topic worthy of discussion. We've gone from the plural down to the singular because it seems like we're fixated on the one predominant issue that everybody's talking about, and uh, it's informed all of our waking hours and decisions. So uh, we'll get around to the COVID-19 thing and so many different iterations and permutations. But first, our panel, who are usually here in the studio, but uh, we can't be ever too cautious. Michael Giles, in government 30 years, currently Chief of Staff to Deputy Mayor Anna Bailau, joins us on the line. Michael, how are you? I'm very good. I actually had a good afternoon. I found toilet paper. So. Oh, did you? Yes. Well, that's great. Uh, just kind of curious why that pertains to anything we're going to talk about today. Well, because people seem to be losing their minds about toilet paper, and there's absolutely no rational reason for it. Right. Uh, so what you're telling us, you just lost your mind. <laughs> that's, well, no, that's been a while ago. But uh... All right. All right. All right. Well, I'll get around to that one here in a due course. But Sherry DeNovo, the Reverend Dr. Sherry DeNovo, Minister at Trinity St. Paul Center for Faith, Justice, and the Arts, former NDP MPP for Park High Park, weighing in. How Sherry? I'm good, I'm good, and I'm glad you're both well, too, and that's the main thing. It is, isn't it? Uh, Minister DeNovo, let me ask you this. Uh, You going to hold uh, service on Sunday in the House of Worship? Uh, we are, uh, but after that, for for the foreseeable uh, next few Sundays, uh, we're going to be doing it online. We're doing it this Sunday and taking um, extra precautions. We're doing things a little differently. We're doing our collection differently. We're doing our coffee hour differently. We're uh, spreading people out around the sanctuary. We have canceled our our uh, uh, Sunday uh, church uh, school for children, uh, and uh, I'm going to be talking about this. Um, yeah, so that's what we're doing on Sunday. And then we're shutting our building because Trinity St. Paul's is also a center for uh, the arts. And we have about uh, 10,000 people a month um, up to that can wander through that building. So we are, as of Monday, shutting the building down for any large gatherings, any large concerts, and um, just you know keeping it small. And, of course, doing all the do things in terms of sanitation, et cetera, et cetera, and telling people to stay home if they're ill. So that's what we're up to, and we're not alone. Um, there are a lot out there doing the same thing. No, I understand. I'm just kind of curious why you're waiting till Sunday or Monday. I mean, a lot of places, like, uh, well, even a golf tournament was aborted yesterday in mid-tournament, no less, and uh, the hockey, well, they're down to the last uh, dozen games or so, and they pulled the plug just Pull the rug out from everybody, and you're so you figure a couple more days isn't going to matter. Well, it, here's the problem. I mean, it, it just in terms of getting in touch with everyone, um, we we expect that uh, we've we've definitely let our very senior people know not to come, and uh, a telephone chain has gone out, and we put notices on all social media and our websites and things. Uh, but we expect that some people, uh, you know, will come anyway, and that's the issue. So, uh, as it takes some time to get the message out. Um, we're going to be holding a service. But again, I expect it will be small, and we're going to do all the do things to keep everybody safe. So, um, uh, again, we're doing what we can as quickly as we can, and I think that's the general rule. All right. Well, I just wanted to know. I was kind of curious how that's going to work in different houses of worship, and you were saying, like, uh, you're going to arrange. The collection plate will be PayPal, I guess. 
Well, no, <laughs> uh, but what it will be is it will be stationary. I mean, typically in churches, uh, you know, it's passed down the row uh, in some way, shape, or form, and that's not going to happen. So it, it will simply be stationary. People will put their money in, people who count the money. Uh, I mean, most of our, our, like most churches these days, doesn't come in cash, but mm. um, those who do do the counting will be wearing gloves for sure. Mm. And uh, uh, again, of course, most of the most of the income comes by check or pre-authorized remittance. And I got you. I got you. Well, let, yeah. me, let me turn to Michael and ask you, because there's a quote here from uh, Dr. David Gerlink. He's a scientist at Sunnybrook Health Sciences Center. He says, public health officials say they won't prohibit mass gatherings until the virus spreads more widely. Okay, Canada, allow me to translate. Public health officials will actively encourage the virus to spread more widely. In other words, he's saying emphatically, uh, this is a no-brainer. Unless you curb these gatherings, uh, this thing is going to go out of control. And uh, so what does he mean by large gathering? Would you limit it to 25, 50, 100, 1,000? Where where do you draw the line on something like that, Michael? Well, I think the current guidance is 250. Uh, Having said that, uh, the city just announced that, for example, its community centers, its libraries, uh, that kind of thing are uh, are going to be closed, uh, uh, effective tomorrow night, like well, midnight tomorrow night. So, uh, you know, they're, they're taking steps. And I think, obviously, you can see that most people, and, you know, Sherry just referred to this in terms of her church, most organizations churches are doing precisely the same thing. Uh, so for, I think it's maybe a, uh, one of those situations where you have a, a problem looking for a solution in the sense that most people are going to be doing this anyway. Uh, it's unlikely that you're going to see mass gatherings of any kind, quite frankly. Uh, we see it with the NBA, the MLS, the, you know, the NHL. Like, everyone has done this. Concerts are being cancelled, and uh, you know I, I is sort of deferring to what Sherry is saying. I'm, I'm not sure what the Catholic Archdiocese is doing because I used to go to church on Sundays, and quite frankly, I hadn't even thought of it until you just mentioned it. So, yeah, actually, but, they're, they are cancelling their their large Sunday masses, but they're still having oh, smaller ones during the week. I just oh, okay. saw that. Oh, I didn't realize I that. that. So, yeah. yeah. So they're doing the same thing. So I think, you know, organically this is happening anyway. And, and uh, you know, the recommendation was up to 250. Now I believe, you know, you see people just doing it. And as I say, the city has literally just, you know, about 30 minutes ago, announced that they, they've sort of taken this additional step with the community centers, March break programming, libraries, all that kind of stuff. So it's happening organically. But these are advisories, you're saying? Yeah, well, the, the for the city, it's not an advisory. This is the... the uh, the chief medical officer of health has made this recommendation. City manager has accepted that, so this is being implemented. Um, any other, you know, private facilities, uh, presumably, uh, you know, they, they make those decisions, but clearly they've all made the decision. Uh, I don't know of any major event that's going ahead, and I don't think, the, uh, frankly, it would be responsible to do so at this time. And as I say, I don't know of any single event in the city of Toronto that's going ahead that would be considered a mass event. You know, Michael, we hear a lot of that, uh, where the health authorities, depending on the level, it could be municipal, it could be provincial, it could be federal, they make recommendations. And I'm just wondering at what point uh, is it really just uh, their purview to make the recommendation? Could they ever affect effect the law and say uh, this is verboten and uh, we're placing a ban uh, on these kinds of activities? Could the health authorities do that? Absolutely. Well, I mean, the, the, the under the Public Health Act, there's all sorts of things. When they say recommendations, if you look at where the recommendations are emanating, the recommendations are emanating from, you know, the Chief Medical Officer of Health, you know, the Provincial Medical Officer of Health. Uh, I, you know, there's no elected official, you know, because elected officials are ultimately accountable for these decisions. Uh, when these are made, no elected official is going, to, is going to decline to follow the recommendations of the Chief Medical Officer of Health. Again, it's, you know, the mayor and, and the, the city, senior city management are the ones that are, you know, the mayor is elected. They're the ones put in place to implement the decisions. These are rec- 
recommendations, and you'll see that with anything essentially within government where city staff will make recommendations, in this case, Chief Medical Officer of Health. But there's, you know, there's nothing that has been recommended that elected officials have not implemented. Well, Sherry, let me ask you, because earlier today, Donald Trump and a presser, uh, he was saying as part of his national emergency that he called, he's barring foreign nationals who've been to Europe in the last 14 days from entering the U.S. of A. Uh, U.S. citizens and their families are going to be screened upon their return. But we know on Wednesday he put in place uh, a ban on air travel for the next 30 days from Europe. But now it's anybody who's been to Europe in the last 14 days. We seem to be not as draconian or strict on that. Uh, Who's got it right here? Well, I mean, I think the most important thing he did, uh, and he did it just today, was declare a national emergency. uh, And hopefully the money flows from that into the states to deal with the crisis. Um, So he's declared it a crisis. I think that is a good step, and that's something that our federal government should be doing. The other thing, uh, um, in in terms of shutting down borders, I mean, I think what the most important thing that I'm not hearing anybody doing, uh, France has done this, France is, uh, for 99% of its workers uh, who don't make money because of COVID-19 um, or have to take the time off, uh, they're, they're you know, uh, giving them their wages. Uh, we're not doing that. And that's a real red flag for me and for many. I mean, we have a lot of precarious workers. We have a lot of people who are going to show up to work because they have to, because otherwise they're not going to make any money. Um, and that's very dangerous. And that could spread the disease very, very quickly if there's no um, answer from government, uh, you know, and again, you know, we, we shouldn't allow employers to do this on their own. And this has to come from government to help out here. Um, we can't expect people to take precautions if their entire livelihood is dependent on showing up for work. Well, Bill Morneau earlier today, the finance minister announced $10 billion being made available through a credit facility program for small businesses, you know, with employees involved in all of that. Uh, I don't know if that's going to be adequate. Uh, I wasn't too clear, and I asked John Capobianco before you guys joined us how this, this would be dispersed. He says there's sort of a, a mechanism to do that. I can't remember uh, under which group or rubric it falls, but still uh, $10 billion. I don't know, Michael, uh, does that sound adequate to you? I mean, to Sherry's point, there are itinerant workers, you know, uh, people who don't get paid unless they go to work, and uh, EI will be easier to claim. That was something that was announced earlier this week. You don't have to, they've waived the one-week waiting period. I mean, is this adequate? Should there be more? Well, I think that, you, you know, if you look, we've incrementally done things. And, and uh, you know, he announced $1 billion uh, just several days ago. Now it's $10 billion. You know, the Bank of Canada, you know, moving the, uh, the rate down by 50 basis points. So I think it's adequate in the sense that, you know, the, this is a very fluid situation. It's a very evolving situation. Uh, you know, and, and uh, the gov- federal government and you know, the provincial government and, and the city, but the, in particular the federal government, I guess, is what we're talking about right now. They have, you know, they put $10 billion into the system. They're assuring this equity and liquidity in the system so that small businesses can access money. Uh, the lower bank rate is you know, designed to ensure that, uh, as I say, liquidity in the sense of the availability of credit if it is needed. So they're doing the things they need to do. And, and quite frankly, I think you know, if, you, if by next Wednesday or Thursday we see a situation that requires you know, additional funds or another way of dealing with this, uh, I think we're flexible enough in that sense, as we've demonstrated over the last couple of days, to be able to you know, uh, implement uh, further measures or whatever is needed to be done. But I think the statement that's being made today 
both by the bank, the governor of the Bank of Canada, by the Minister of Finance, by the Prime Minister, by others, is that you know we're prepared to assist, we're going to assist, and we'll do whatever we need to do. Uh, I think you know the Prime Minister's point, quite frankly, was a, was a good one in the sense, and I know people worry about deficits and everything else, but his message was clear. You know, we have the the means to do this. There are countries in the world that do not have the means to do this, but we have, when necessary, we can you know access the funds, we can ensure the markets and and the, the financial system remains liquid, and uh, we did it in 2008, and we'll do it again if we have to, and and uh, we'll come through this. Yeah, but Sherry, uh, you know, to the point that Michael's making, okay, the Bank of Canada has dropped the interest rates 50 basis points today, as well as 50 last week, uh, so it's three quarters of a point right now. Money's cheap. A lot of folks are going to borrow, but does that necessarily help the people that you were uh, referencing, you know, the small, the weight staff at a, a restaurant that's probably, you know, going dark or something like that? You think that's going to help them? Um, sadly, no. Uh, I mean, that's, and not only them, but I'm thinking of all of the contract workers in our colleges and universities who, you know, aren't paid unless they show up. Uh, I, I mean, there are lots of people that are in that situation, not to mention as these events are being cancelled, um, all the event workers, all the actors, all the musicians. I mean, this is going to have a chilling effect on our economy. There's no question. I mean, and they're recognizing that. They're saying it's going to be in recession. Well, of course it is. Um, I, I so think how do you get money to these people point, directly, I mean, though, Sherry? How do you get mm-hmm. money directly to these people then? I mean, because the idea is the basis point's going down by 50 this week and last. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, obviously, Michael, you're saying companies then would, uh, you know, it would be uh, easier money to access for them, a, a line of credit and so on and so forth. Uh that would help the company, and but does that in turn flow down to the itinerant worker or the self-employed? And so, uh, Sherry, I mean, how else to get the money to the, these well, folks? Well, good question. I mean, France is managing to do it. Other people are managing to do it. Um, I mean, I don't think we can, you know, apply the sort of the trickle-down theory here and just give it to companies and hope it gets through to the workers. I think, uh, you know, you, you've got to have some mechanism. I mean, for example, I, you know, every every industry is different, but where it's a situation of, say, the contract workers, I mean, they have a union. Well, you know, make sure that, that there is some recompense for them. Um, again, if you don't do that, uh, I mean, the situation is going to be devastating for families. And look at the other end, too, the, the really low end of the income spectrum, people in shelters. I mean, these are petri dishes for infection. So, again, we're going to have to look at every segment of our society in terms of how we're going to pe- keep people safe, how we're going to keep people able to stay home, if that's what it takes. And for those who don't have a home, what are we going to do for them? So, I mean, we're just beginning now. But, I mean, I think this is a this is a point where we can all take some responsibility and if we know a senior who's shut in, if we know somebody who's, you know, shut out of work, if we know somebody who's immune suppressed, uh, um, you know, let's do the, you know, all the faiths would agree on this. Let's, let's do the human thing and, and look out for our neighbor in, in these times and don't hoard. <laughs> look right. out for our neighbors instead. Wow. It sounds like we're going to have to triage society as a whole. Thanks for listening to the John Oakley Show podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe for free at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere else you get your on-demand audio.